And what's up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You're listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com. And on this podcast, we talk all things film, television, and video game music. I am Christopher Coleman, and joining me via Skype for this episode is... Kristen Romanelli of Film Score Monthly Online. And I'm Eric Woods of Cinematic Sound Radio. Today is Sunday, April 15th, 2018, and this is episode 106 of The Soundcast, where we discuss Netflix reboot of Lost in Space and the original score by Christopher Lennertz. You can find every single episode of The Soundcast at thesoundcast.com, or you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, wherever you do listen. Why don't you take a second and leave us a little rating or a not-so-little review uh, as it lets us know that you're listening and what you think of the show and how we might be able to make it better, if that's possible. I, I'm sure it is possible, but we won't know unless you let us know. You can also also send us your feedback uh, by email to soundcast.tracksounds.com. Leave us a voicemail on our speak pipe widget or hit us up on Twitter, at TrackSounds, or on Facebook, or, I forgot, I always forget this, also on Twitter, our official uh, Twitter account is Audio Soundcast, at Audio Soundcast on Twitter. So that one is available to you as well. Well, Kristen and Eric, uh, good to have you back on again. Good to talk about some film music-y, television music-y stuff. Mm-hmm. How are you guys doing? Uh, trying to stay warm. Yeah, very cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're in two different parts of the planet. Yeah, think. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. By a long shot. Yes. Because I'm just trying <laughs> to stay cool. I have my air conditioner on today for the, I think this is the first time this year I've turned my air on. Uh, up north, we've had a, a freak dip in temperature. And we are in the middle of a, an ice storm. Good times. Nice. So Good cool. times. Part uh-huh. of time. <laughs> Um, well, today we're going to start off with something we haven't done in a very long time, uh, and that is a little bit of some what have we been listening to. We haven't done that in quite some time. Uh, the main part of our of this episode is going to be on the newly released uh, Lost in Space reboot on Netflix and Christopher Leonard's score. But first, as I mentioned, Eric, what have you been listening to? <laughs> Sir, you, you caught me off guard. I was like, I thought you were like, Eric, where did you go? (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. Wake up. (laughs) He's lost power already. (laughs) The ice storm got him. Wow. Uh, Wake up, Eric. Here we go. Um, (laughs) I I haven't really been listening to a a lot. Um, I don't have a lot of time to listen to um, soundtracks or or albums. I know it sounds really weird, but... um, just the yes. past two weeks, it's just been absolutely nuts. So I mostly listen to like playlists on and and my favorite tracks on shuffle. But I did have some time for uh, David Arnold and Kevin Kiner's uh, Wing Commander, which I mm-hmm. always like revisiting if I want just something really uh, robust and, and bold and and you know like like any David Arnold score. Um, I also read a, a crazy thread on Film Score Monthly um, about people complaining about Jerry Goldsmith's Supergirl. And they're complaining yeah, about yeah. it. It's a little late for that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's. Like, I think. I mean, I think there is an impending um, 
expanded edition coming out, another expanded edition oh, sometime. Nice. That those are rumors. Um, oh, okay. And people are like trying to figure out, you know, how they want it presented and whatnot. And you know, a lot of people are saying that the silver screen records expanded edition sucked. And I'm just like, wow, I actually really enjoyed it. So I went back and listened to that uh, version, and I, yeah, I really enjoy that score. Um, it's a, uh, it's fantastic actually. Um, yeah. But what I didn't know is that uh, that was the project that uh, Jerry Goldsmith essentially fired Eric Tomlinson or just decided never to work with him again hmm. uh, on that because he was working with him on, um, I think he worked with him on Alien um, and a couple of other projects anytime he was recording out in London. And then I don't think Eric Tomlinson had the capabilities to handle Jerry Goldsmith's electronics. And I think Goldsmith was just oh. fed up with him. So he decided, nope, I'm not going to use you. And so that's how Mike Ross Trevor got involved with Jerry Goldsmith um, in London. So, and of course I've been, uh, I've always been, I've just been reaching for Ready Player One for the past uh, couple of weeks. I just, I'm always, I'm just kind of really attracted to that score. And um, anytime I kind of read online, a lot of people are reading it or listening to it. Um, finally, I guess they're getting their CDs and I just like going back to it. I, I really think it's one of the strongest scores of the year. And of course we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and um, mm-hmm. yeah, just a, just a lot of fun. So um, it's kind of great to go back and re-listen to a couple of classics and then, you know, uh, paired up with a, a really good new one this year. So, um, sure. but yeah, just like I said, it's, it's mostly a lot of uh, shuffling, which is uh, what I do most of the time. Um, right. But I do have a new releases show I got to prep for. So um, I got to kind of get into those as well. Yep. 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 I hear you. Now, whenever I hear Supergirl, I always think about, you know, what could have been because originally he was supposed to do the Donner, right? Uh, Superman, right? And I always think, what well, is this what we were going to get? I Which don't know. it's a great score. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's a great score. I think but- the, the, and I, and I'm not sure whether this is the right wording, but I do think the theme is uh, a bit feminine. And mm. um, I don't necessarily think that that would fit Superman. Um, and I, when I close my eyes, I think it, I mean, I can hear it being used in that film uh, if 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 i had no contact you know like i didn't know obviously it was for it ended up being used for supergirl right. and john williams score never existed yeah i could hear it i could see it being in there it's possible but i think it fits the supergirl character and especially that movie it itself um and uh i haven't seen it in a really long time but i remember it making a a really strong impression on me when i first saw it back in the 80s yeah so um but yeah i mean a goldsmith superman like a superman score would be would have been really interesting and uh, i'm just wondering whether he would have written as an iconic theme as the one that williams finally delivered so yeah yeah i i bet it would have been i bet it would have been maybe not what john williams score came became or this or the theme became but i think it would probably be up there yeah we would, would probably consider one... iconic oh not, probably yeah. I mean, not knowing because yeah. i mean right. jerry goldsmith of that period sure. Sure. It was so iconic in his sound itself. I mean, gosh, Star Trek motion pictures around that sure. time. Sure. That's right. And yep. yeah. Um It's it's yeah, weird. It true. would be it'd be weird living in a world without Superman composed by John Williams. It's really strange. It's, it's, very strange alternate well, you wouldn't reality, know it. for sure. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. know it. I, it yeah, I know. Like, but of yeah. course it's Jerry Goldsmith. What are you talking right. about? You know? yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm not saying he's a lesser a composer. where Jerry Goldsmith didn't compose Superman? Right. And say yeah. it was like John Williams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we would be yeah. like, 
Wow. It's such a that would have been cool too. Weird, <laughs> but kind of cool. Yeah. 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 Um well yeah. I just when I, I haven't seen that film in a long, it's long not time. Good. But no, no, and I just remember as I saw it way, way, way late, like in the last ten years. Oh, okay. And I was like, Man, what what a booby prize. Yes. I mean, you didn't get to do Superman, but you got Supergirl, but that film was just I he haven't was, seen that recently, but I remember renting it yeah. at least a couple of times when I was little. I, I oh, right. I, yeah, I liked it when I was little, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Sure, it was fine yeah. for, but for when was that, 80? 1984. 84, yeah. okay. So, like, yeah, really it was, little. It was um, okay for back then, but, whew. I mean, like, <laughs> man, he, 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 oh, he outclassed that uh that film oh for sure <laughs> like score. he did he many times a lot of films yeah. that's true <laughs> which may or may not be relevant to the our later conversation but anyway <laughs> um uh Kristen, what have you been listening to um well um by way of eric's show i i listened to some uh ready player one <laughs> by way of his show you didn't listen to it before that no recently like as in like two days ago oh i see gotcha. <laughs> um but in my rotation i've had love simon uh both mm-hmm. the score and the soundtrack album oh the soundtrack too okay yeah um i only very recently saw that movie and like cried my eyes out um <laughs> i loved it um i heard it so- was good yeah, so I've been listening to that pretty heavily. Um, I've been revisiting Lauren Balfe's Ghost in the Shell release hmm. uh, that he put out there. Um, mm-hmm. What I've made you been, go back to that? I don't know. I was just, I was kind of going through my files mm-hmm. and I found the folder of it and I went, oh yeah, and kind of put it on and have been sort of grooving to it a little bit. That's about a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. About one year ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, Far Cry 5, they released a short film that mm-hmm. was scored by Mark Yeager um, mm-hmm. called Inside Eden's Gate. I've been listening to the music from that. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of trippy. It I is. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it I like that sort of is. thing. Um and I started listening to Rampage, but then Lost in Space happened, and I went <laughs> into that. Right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, did you see Rampage? Did nope. anyone see Rampage? No. no me either. Uh, I figure when it's for 99 cents on Voodoo or something, then, <laughs> then perhaps I'll... I watched... What did I watch on for 99 cents? Oh, um... Uh, the Dark Tower. I saw that like a month ago or oh, so. Really? It was like ninety nine cents to rent. So I was like, okay, I'll drop ninety nine cents and and watch it. And it was it was worth it. <laughs> it was so it was worth ninety nine cents. I didn't feel completely ripped off, but not a good film. Not wow. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Not a good film. You you saw it? No, no, not yet. Oh, you said you hadn't seen no. it. No. So, you know, I don't know if Rampage is going to go that route or not, but, you know, The Rock's in it, so it might make a lot of money. I hadn't paid attention to the box office this weekend, but... Um, I do like The Rock. Yeah, everybody does. Everybody does. Um, but we'll see. I haven't I haven't heard too much, uh, too much buzz, so 
I'm assuming it's not tearing the box office up. Um, all right, so Love, Simon, Ghost and Shell, Far Cry 5, Inside Eaton's Gate, and A Little Rampage, and like, I assume a lot. Of, oh, just two tracks. <laughs> it's a lot of action music in Rampage. It's like action cue after action cue after action cue after action yeah. cue. I listened and, to like the, the first two tracks, and then I got the PR email for Lost in Space, because I only had like the couple of... Uh, preview cues from before. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, oh uh-huh. here's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's and that's a worthwhile listen, which we're going to talk about. Well, we will talk about that. I have been listening to a few things. Um, you know, I kind of brushed over uh, Ramin Javadi's A Wrinkle in Time. I listened to it, and I was like, yeah, this is different for him. And then I kind of got caught up in, in other scores. And so this week I went back. Because uh, I'd forgotten about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to go back and listen to that a bit more. And, you know, it's it's different from, from him, for him. And I kind of like that. It's it's kind of refreshing because uh, I'm not just like thinking, just being reminded of all of the common, you know, Ramin Javadi-isms. Um, and, and so it's kind of a, a refreshing listen. In, in that regard, and I, and I kind of enjoy it. Um, I don't know if it's one I'll listen to a lot going through the rest of the year, but uh, I recommend, you know, if you're looking for something a little bit different from him, that um, you give that you give that one a, a, a shot. It's bright, a little bit brighter, a little more uh, lighter than the normal Javadi Fair. So that in of itself makes it kind of an interesting listen. Have you guys listened to that at all? Yeah, I have. And I surprisingly enjoy it a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. It's not anything too demanding, but I do yeah. like the sound. I like that um, it's kind of a different fantasy adventure sound mm-hmm. from him. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of like really easy listening, but it's fun. And like yeah. I said, it, it is it is different. So I really actually do enjoy that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How about you, Kristen? This one I missed. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I would. I'd encourage you just just to check it and say, "Oh, yeah, he he he's got some other tools in the tool yeah. bag," mm-hmm. um, and uh, so it's kind of a refreshing listen from him. Um, I've also been listening to uh, Panu Altio's '95, which uh, slight plug uh, is um, one of his most recent releases, and he talks about it on the Annotator. Um, and then also another score of his that just got released called Super Furball. Um, which is also a lot of fun, um, and man, he—I just love his particular style of of composing. Um, He's—it's—it's it's always fresh, even though you might hear allusions to one composer or another. Um, somehow, the sinew that he writes to connect it all together is interesting and fresh itself, and I really, really enjoy his music a lot. So I've been listening to both of those quite a bit this week um even though i you know posted that episode last tuesday and listened to it you know quite a few times i still found myself wanting to just for the sheer pleasure of listening to 95 i've been listening to it quite a bit and just started listening to furball in the last uh, couple days um super furball that is Um, but all of i think every single one of his uh officially released soundtracks i enjoy and i i hope he continues to get bigger and bigger 
project so that more and more people can hear um, his work. Uh, lastly, kind of weird, I've gone back to Michael Tacchino's Speed Racer score, which I know a lot of people love quite a bit. And I liked it uh, when I first listened to it, and I thought it was you know inventive and energetic and all that. But kind of a weird route of getting there is, you know, having seen Ready Player One, my my uh, Speed Racer nostalgia flag got flipped when I saw the Mach 5 for half a second in the film. I was like, oh, Mach 5, man. So I ended up buying the Blu-ray set of the original Speed Racer, the English dub, because that's how I saw it as a kid. So normally I'm like, English dub, get that out of my face. Um, But that's how I saw it as a kid, so that's what I'm most familiar with. So I started watching that, and man, those episodes make no sense whatsoever. (laughs) It's so hilarious. I'm like... I mean, I've seen those episodes at a kid. I've seen them countless times. So I know, mm-hmm. you know, visually what's going to happen, but I wasn't really paying attention to what was being said. And I'm like, these episodes make no sense whatsoever. And I just got such, I've been having such a ball going through them and like, this makes no sense. I wonder what they really said because whatever they translated to, whatever, however they diverted from the original uh, plots, just, it's a disaster. But the music, remains you know it's just so ingrained in my head so then i was like okay let me go back and i actually went and rewatched speed racer i think it's on netflix the movie and i i could actually i think i watched most of it with my eyes open this time um because it's such a psychedelic trip um almost a seizure inducing uh seizure inducing trip seizure inducing uh, that too seizure, not, <laughs> that's right he did he did compose for caesar um and and i just wanted to give the score another shot and you know i kind of came out feeling like man there is so much more i mean he makes his he he incorporates the speed racer theme very delicately and not very often um and then some other little bits and pieces from the original but man there's so much more he could have pulled in pulled in uh, now that it was fresher in my, my my mind, and I wonder why he didn't do that. But um, yeah, it's still a great score. But man, I sure wish he had pulled in more of. Oh, I forget the original Japanese composer's name right now. But I wish he'd pulled in more of his music because it was it's so iconic, and it would have fit well with with the style of score that he wrote anyway. And it's like, man, you could have had so many more nods to to that original score than than you ended up doing. But um, when's the last time you guys watched or listened to Speed Racer? Uh, you can go first. <laughs> it's been a while, I take it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I tried to, well, okay. I tried to get my son to watch it when he was really young because I just thought that it would keep his attention for a few hours. And, <laughs> I would think it would. Yeah, and no, it didn't. And he was, really? you know, like any normal child like colors and stuff on TV yeah. and no, no, he wanted nothing to do with it. And that, that was the first time I saw it as well. So I have yet to finish it. Um, mm. And once That's I saw rough. the monkey, I was pretty much out. And um, <laughs> so I, I, I might revisit it at some point. It just, it really didn't um, capture my attention or, imagination did you watch the original um yes i when i was a kid i do remember it for sure and and it's funny because when i got the album sent to me by i don't know who it was and who released it i think it was super tracks i saw it i'm like 
oh, I remember this. And that was kind of like around my my Voltron uh, watching days and Robotech yeah. and, um, you know, Space Battleship Yamato and, mm-hmm. and all that time. So I do remember the show. And then, of course, when I heard Giacchino's score, I do remember the theme. Um, but it's just not a movie I could get into. And yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's, I, I might revisit it, but just, it's not something that funny. I watched another Wachowski film uh, yesterday just to see if it still holds up. And the matrix is pretty freaking amazing. Oh, gosh. oh my god, That'll never go away. I was just so thinking good. it's 1999. And I'm like, wow. Okay. It's, it's, it's almost been, it's years. almost 20 years. Let's have a peek at this. <laughs> it's still brilliant. Oh yeah. Still brilliant. And they have it's yet to match age. it. They've yet to match it. Yeah. No, I, I came close. upon it when I was um, flipping through channels while on uh, my flight back from um, Chicago and it was on TV and I was just like, all right, I'll watch this. I love Once it. you start, you can't stop. It's true. And it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Even the stupid TV edit of it is still good. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything in that holds up. All the special effects, all the, the music, uh, even the songs in the movie. It's. It is mm-hmm. absolute perfection. Such a great movie. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's really tough to see the Wachowskis kind of decline from there and and where they and where yeah. they headed. I mean, visually, they only went down. I think they, they. I think they got it. Well, Sensei is really good. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was the one of the recommendations after I watched the movie. It said, you know, watch yeah. Sensei. And I'm like, oh, okay, right. Um, and I think my wife has watched it. And she enjoyed that very, very much. But I just don't. They just have yet to really capture that. That kind of magic in a bottle with with the Matrix with with the other stuff that they've done. So mm-hmm. really odd, but um, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. The the one thing I w- I did like about Speed Racer the movie, I thought their casting of Racer X was impeccable. It was just just the the best casting they could have done. The rest of the cast, I'm like, I don't know. I guess the lead, what's his name, Eli Hirsch, right? Email. Email her, whatever his name. Yeah. He, you know, he was okay, um, but the rest of the cast was in Spritel. Oh my gosh, I wanted to kill myself. I mean, <laughs> he's just the worst. Um, but Racer X, I'm forgetting his name. Matthew, the guy who was in Lost, oh, the lead in Lost. Matthew Fox, yeah, he was great. Mm. He was, I mean, he's just a great Racer X. He he nailed it, and I wish they had been just about him and Speed or something, because right. the rest of it was just was garbage. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, there is no movie like it. I mean, it is, it yeah, is visually a garage it's, it's crazy color. Yes. Yeah. They've captured it's the spirit true. of the television show for sure. And the anime. Yeah, um, maybe. Um, I don't I, know. I just think that the way that they've, I don't know the way, um, the way it they frame things the and things of that sort, it was, you know, really strange, really yeah. bizarre, really out there. Um, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Did you have any experience with Speed Racer, Kristen? Uh, I watched some of it when I was a kid. Um, okay. But I haven't seen the Wachowski film. I haven't listened to Jakina's score. Um, oh, really? I've been watching a bunch of Sailor Moon lately. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Is that, a, that has good music. Is that Naoki Sato? No, that's someone else. I forget who does Sailor Moon. Someone, is it? Kenji Kawai, it's someone pretty famous, I think. No idea. If my memory serves. I, th- I forget, but it's a, it's one of the more famous 
um, Japanese composers. Anyway, so so is there like just some you just not you just don't want to see it or hear it? No, it's just something I haven't watched. It's I have nothing against it. <laughs> just not not gotten around I've, to it. I've watched a great deal of anime, just not that. Right. No, I mean the movie. Uh, yeah, just one of those things that I skipped over. When did that come out? 2008? 2007? 2008? Somewhere in there. Huh. It's been been a while. It has been a while. Oh, I don't know then. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you did and you just forgot. You blacked out and you forgot. (laughs) I definitely did not see it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's what we've been listening to. We like to know what you've been listening to. If you want to share with us, uh, you can do so. Um, if you've got some some secret hidden gem that you found or rediscovered, um, let us know what you've been listening to, and we'll share it out with others as well. Uh, hit us up at Audio Soundcast on Twitter. That'd be the best way to do it. Uh, and let us know what you've been listening to. All right, guys. Are you ready to get lost and found all in the next few minutes? Sure. In space, reportedly, because that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, lost in space. It it appeared appeared. It premiered on Netflix just this past Friday on the thirteenth. Uh, Ten episodes, first season. Um, it's a Netflix original. Uh, and their description is a dramatic and modern reimagining of the classic 1960s science fiction series set 30 years in the future. Colonization in space is now a reality, and the Robinson family is among those tested and selected to make a new life for themselves in a better world. But when the new colonists find themselves abruptly torn off course en route to their new home, they must forge new alliances and work together to survive in a dangerous alien environment, light years from their original destination. Uh, the original score for the series is from Christopher Lennertz, and Lakeshore is going to be releasing the score, uh, or did release the score digitally on the 13th as well, April 13th, um, and a CD release is forthcoming. Um, and if you don't know Christopher Lennertz, uh, where have you been? Um, he's done a ton of great music, including uh, some a couple scores in the Medal of Honor video game series. He's done uh, Marvel's Agent Carter. Um, he's done tons and tons of films. Uh, last year, he did, among others, he did uh, Smurfs' The Lost Village, which is an excellent score. Um, he's done score the score for Ride Along. I think the, the couple of those Ride Alongs, I believe. Um, so the man has done a ton of work in video games, TV and film. He's one of the few that kind of is just, he's in all those realms all the time. And he's, he is one of the best out there. And he was uh, brought on to do the score for Lost in Space, this new, new version. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. Uh, So as we dive into it, um, Kristen, did you ever watch the original show from the sixties? I never really watched it. Um, I, I, it just wasn't on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> I don't, unless it was like a Nick at Night thing, I would never have caught it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family didn't have cable. So 
I gotcha. only really caught that when I was babysitting for people. Oh. <laughs> so I never watched the original. Um, okay. I did see the 98 movie, though. Okay. Eric, did you ever see the original? No, I didn't. And the only reason I knew about it was because of John Williams' association with the show. Mm. And so it was just something that I never even kind of flipped by and, and said, hey, that's something I'm interested in watching. I just don't didn't think it ran in syndication here, and maybe it did, and I I missed it. Um, I've seen a couple of scenes here and there doing some research on previous John Williams shows that I did, but it's, um, you know, just to become familiar with it, um, I, I know of it, but I just have never gone out of the way to to check out the television show. Yeah, okay. I think it's one of those things that has kind of permeated pop culture. Yeah. That we know certain things about it, even though we haven't right. seen it. Right, sure. It's true. Um, I mean, I'm positive that at least my dad watched it when he was young. Um, <laughs> well, but... it was. It, it came out in the in the 60s. Yeah. Um, it was in syndication for a while. When I was a kid, it was like, it was just a mainstay on whatever your favorite UH, UHF channel was. I mean, it was just, you know, it'd be Star Trek and Lost in Space and Gilligan's Island and Bewitched. And I mean, they were just all, yeah, I watched it, was, those. it was just your daily, it was just the daily thing. It was just on <laughs> every day. Um, and so I'm very familiar with it, although I've forgotten a lot because I haven't seen it in 30 years or more at all. <laughs> but um um, the impressions of it are, are still very strong in, in my brain and uh, my psyche. And it was, I loved it. It was a great, it was a great show. It was like, it was like Star Trek, but like the original Star Trek, but with a family. And, um, you know, it got out there in, in some cases, some pretty crazy sci-fi stuff. I mean, it was very, it seemed like it was very influenced by Star Trek, actually, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and so it was really, it was a lot of fun and it was, uh, a little more, I think for kids, it was a little more, uh, embraceable because it was a f more of a family doing this stuff and going, coming across these things. Uh, and so I really, really enjoyed it for, for many years as it was, I think it was on air for three, three years, I think, just like I Star Trek. Right. Yep. And then it just went into syndication and it was just over and over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, so I have fond memories of not specific episodes, but just of the experience of seeing it every day, you know, whatever time it came on every day. Um, and then there was the reboot movie in 1998. I think we've all seen that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and what do you guys think of, of, of the film itself? Eric? It's not a good movie, um, <laughs> but... I, I didn't mind the fam family dynamic. Um, I enjoyed some of the um, the set pieces that it had to uh, to showcase. Um, there's, I mean, there's some really bad special effects in this film, but the pyrotechnics <laughs> is out of this world. There's a, an explosion that takes place, uh, I think, halfway through this movie. Um, has to do with spiders and things of that sort, mm -hmm. mechanical spiders, and then. Um, Joey, what the hell is his name? Matt LeBanc <laughs> decides yep. that he needs Joey. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he needs to, he needs to blow it up and it goes against orders. And he's like, no, 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 we, we've got to blow this thing up. And actually I just saw that explosion again, uh, just before the show started and it's mm. still super impressive. And I mean, I like big explosions. I mean, really good explosions, um, in, in mm -hmm. movies. I'm fascinated by 
amazing pyrotechnic work, like the real stuff, like um, the ships blown up in uh, in uh, Cutthroat Island or the sail barge exploding in Return of the Jedi and things of that sort. So mm-hmm. um, this one was really impressive. And like, there's some shots where the camera, it's like it's just one shot. And you see the, the 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 spaceship just kind of flying by the 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 bit larger ship and it's just kind of exploding in in packets and it's just it's it's quite thrilling but then you have that stupid animated character that they decided to uh <laughs> what i didn't know was that they did that like at the 11th hour uh jim henson's uh production company was hired and they actually had a a live puppet on set oh, and they had wow. to replace it because um they didn't think it was going to work they and so, really should have went with the. Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> like a half-rendered blur yeah, or whatever like that thing was was so so bad and so distracting. If they got rid of that, I think it would have been just a you know kind of like a fun B movie. And I think it, I think it was. It, it's not great, but they're um, again, it's a pretty solid cast, and um, and so yeah, I saw it in the theater and I saw it on home video, and I think that's about it. So. Hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, for, for for Pyro, there's some really good stuff in it. Okay. Kristen, what about you? Um, I saw it in the theater in 1998. I was on a date with Colin Smith in high school. Um, oh, shout out to Colin Smith. Yeah, hey, Colin. What up? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was really sweet, really cute, and that's what I remember about this movie. Um, <laughs> um I... I vaguely remember the movie having like this proto bullet time sequence, but hmm? that is all I really remember. I don't of remember it. that. Um, I became familiar with the score later, but mm-hmm. we will talk about that later. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and I remembered that Matt LeBlanc was in it. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. So casting. for me, for me, this movie was all about Colin. Oh, gotcha! <laughs> wow, gotcha! Well. I mean, what you know? What's nuts though is. Um, like I said about the cast, Gary Oldman is in this thing. Yeah. And he's actually mm-hmm. really good. He's very good. He's very he a very good Mr. Smith. If yes. you know the Mr. Smith from the original, I mean yes. no one can be that guy. Right. But he he did a good take on him. But it's it's funny that he took this role. Really interesting. Um I mean, it's a it's a good cast. I oh, mean, totally got, it uh, is. It's an amazing cast. Uh, William Hurt, Mimi William Rogers Hurt and lead I mean, yeah, yeah, they didn't they didn't mess around. No, they didn't. I mean, I, that's what made me very intrigued to see is like, okay, right. there's some A-listers in here. Yes. There must be something to this. And I I kind of enjoyed it. I went in with some skepticism, but I was like, okay. I mean, and I I've seen I've seen it I say a handful of times and it doesn't hold up very well. I mean, it's no. I mean, it didn't look great then, but it re- well, the space stuff is fine. Mm-hmm. It's that monkey. The yeah. monkey is just just the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it doesn't hold up real well. But I still, I, I, I enjoy that film. Um, it the end was a huge surprise. I mean, I didn't think they would go as deep as they did. Um, it, it, I just thought it was going to be kind of light, fluffy stuff. And the end's kind of dark. And I mean, not ultimately the ultimate end, but the final twist in the film is like, oh, dang, I didn't know y'all were going here with it. Um, and I appreciated that. I was like, I didn't expect to come out, you know, with that kind of stuff uh, in the film. God, and I remember I, none of this. <laughs> well, spoilers for a 20-year-old film. <laughs> um, but you have Mr. Smith, and he kind of merges with the spider, and he turns into that huge spider dude. Yeah, yeah. 
and then they go what spider monster don't they like jump to the future and then uh will sees himself as a as an older 30 year old or something is that i think so is that what happens there's a really weird time travel thing that happens at the end because i think everybody dies right everybody doesn't the ship blow up die then they have to go back in time and then they get a second chance to leave the planet or something like that it's really crazy I, i think you're right but I can't remember specifics. I just remember the spider monster guy. Yeah, and that was and creepy. And I was just like, whoa, I didn't yeah. expect that. I have no idea where these brain cells went. Because yeah, you need to watch not, it without Colin. Yeah, this is not sparking him. any memory. You need to have a Colin-less viewing of that, of that movie. <laughs> well, that was the only time I had seen it. Yeah, so. you, you, you can probably get the DVD for five cents. Probably. Um, <sighs> all right, I mean, no, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. It's on uh, Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix streaming, so you can watch it anytime you well, like. I know what I'm doing after this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we spoiled it for you, but you wouldn't have watched it if had we oh, not no. told you that part. Um, but there are a lot of great moments with the Jupiter 2. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of made it look like the original Jupiter 2. Right. And then it opens up and you got the new the new one inside. I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm with I'm with those moments. I, I really enjoyed all of that. And Matt LeBlanc was a lot better than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, man, this is going to be horrible joey yeah. friends is yeah. going to be the han solo guy i'm like really but he kind of pulls it off um and so i have fond memories of that film and the score i think bruce button's oh, score is, is excellent yes uh what are the thoughts you have about his score i know you have a lot to say about that oh um, it's eric well when I, when I heard it well i first heard it on the the old tvt soundtrack release which was only about 30 minutes of of yep. score and then i mean it was like almost six months later entrada had an expanded edition ready to go and um so I realized it was so close yeah it was really really close and and i was surprised that entrada didn't get the rights right off the bat because of their relationship with bruce broughton but um they also had i think on the earlier yeah, album a bunch of songs and and things of that sort and remixes of john williams's uh um season oh, yeah. three theme so um and then I was thinking, you know, the, this score was recorded in London. Why is there only 30 minutes on the album? I mean, there's no reuse fees. I mean, you should have no problem doing this. So that Entrada, like right. very shortly after, uh, released their expanded edition. And it is, it blows me away that Bruce Broughton can put together such fabulous music in such a short amount of time. Um, he had 12 days on Tombstone and mm-hmm. he had two and a half weeks on this one. Um, and I, he took over from many composers who were initially attached to this. Um, some being, I think Mark Isham, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, uh, don't know whether Alan Silvestri was attached, but I think there was like four or five that were attached and like at the last second Broughton was brought in. Um, and I think he won the job based on a demo and he yeah wrote and recorded this thing in two and a half weeks. And it is just absolutely sensational. And one of my favorite science fiction fantasy adventure scores I've I've ever heard. Kristen, do you have any thoughts about the score? I really like it. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. Like Bruce Brown, he just does adventure so well. He does. <laughs> he does. I don't know how he like turns those out so quickly with that sort of caliber, mm-hmm. but. Man, I I feel like if if you give a composer like 
two weeks now, unless they're Alexander Platt, <laughs> they're, they're not going to churn something quite like that. Right. Um, yeah, definitely not. I, I could like just that. be being flippant about that. But anyway, I really like Bronze Score. Um, the, the Entrada Expanded Edition is great. I, I highly recommend checking that out. Yeah, that's that's just his wheelhouse, that big adventurous mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just like he's probably got so much pent up in him. He's like, you want me to write? Okay, here it is. <laughs> Boom, and it just explodes out of him. Yeah, you know. Well, a lot of a lot of sci-fi, like this particular brand of sci-fi, is basically Western in space. It's kind of yeah. It's a frontier epic. Yeah, it's true. And he does that just so well. Um, yeah. And changing up the scenery is, I don't know, it just gives him something new to play with, mm-hmm. with it. Yep. I li- Agreed. I like it. I like it. Well, that brings us to the most recent incarnation of Lost in Space, which is Netflix's attempt um, to bring this back to television in um, serial form. And so on uh, Friday, April 13th, they released the first 10 episodes. I guess that will comprise season one um, of Lost in Space. And so let's talk about how many episodes we've watched so far and our general thoughts about it, depending on how far we've watched so far. Um, Kristen, why don't you start there? Um, I've watched four. Um, it's okay. It's it's not something I would like binge on my own. If I had kids, I, I could see it being a fun family watch. But this version of Lost in Space seems to be very focused on family drama. Um, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so... I don't know if that would like stress them out or what, but yeah. um, I don't know. I guess it's it's supposed to be a fun family watch, though. That's kind of the point of it, I guess. Um, I do like the adventure aspect of it, the, the sort of curiosity that they display. Um, mm. It is kind of annoying having characters who are good at everything, though, Um do I do. I <laughs> do. They have characters that are good at everything. They're supposed to be good at everything. I mean, you I have see. an eighteen-year-old doctor. I mean, that's true. That is true. Um, and I do like seeing Parker Posey. Parker Poseying. Um, <laughs> she does demented, neurotic. Yeah, really well. She does um, do that well. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I I would be curious to watch more to see uh to see her Doctor Smith's arc. Okay, Eric, what about you? I've watched two episodes and I'm watching it with the family. So uh, you know, my wife and two kids, eleven uh, year old son, eight year old daughter, and they're having a really good time with it. Uh, episode two ended. Uh, we watched it this afternoon, and my son, he's like, "Come on." <laughs> and I'm like, we watch some more. And he's like, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll stick with the plan. And so what we plan on doing is watching one every night instead of like binge watching it and, 
And yeah. uh, so that's kind of what they want to do. So he was, I was like, Hey, we can still do it. It's only like two 30. There's nothing else. We're stuck in this freezing rain. So let's watch <laughs> right. some more TV. And he's like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll watch some more tomorrow. So um, the kids are really enjoying it. Um, I'm it's, it's fine. It's a, it's a fun um, adventure show. Um, I, I like the, the world building. Um, I love the production design. I think it's, they spent a boatload of money on this show and you can, you can see it. Um, everything to me and to my eyes looks real. Um, mm. it, it, the, even the robot, um, it just looks like he's, he's right there. And, and, and everything that I'm, well, I think I'm he is right. So, well, and then and if he's practical, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, I think he's practical. so, and that's, that's great. Um, but even when he, I think there's longer shots when he's walking again, if he's, if he's walking for real, that's pretty awesome. Um, but I'm liking the effects. Um, I, I, yeah, I just kind of like the way it's shot. Um, and, uh, so I'm having a, I'm having an okay time with it. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting through it all. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be my normal Debbie Downer (laughs) (laughs) self. Um, I went in with high hopes. I mean, the trailer looked pretty good. And then, of course, getting some of the music early, I was just like, oh, man, this is going to be so great. Uh, I'm just so looking forward to it, chomping at the bit to see it. And gosh, what a major disappointment for me. Um, It's just it. uh, (laughs) It's it's just so boring. And the characters are so and the writing. There's just there's. You know, I really wanted to like this show. And it's not awful. It's just not good. And it has the premise, the basic, basic premise is the same. But, you know, it's like, are they going to be in this planet the whole time? Is that what this whole thing's going to be? And you can, you tell me, Kristen, did they, are they still on the same planet by episode four? Um. So... While watching it, my my husband and I started having sort of this joke where we would like sigh, look at each other and be like, this fucking planet. (laughs) Because because every episode, something goes wrong with this planet. So they're still there. They're still there and is still messed up. And that's a major difference between from the original. The original, they're they're lost in space, not lost on a planet. Um, They're and so lost I, in place in space and stuck on a planet. Well, but they're just they're just on a planet, and it's like that's <laughs> I you know that wasn't the that wasn't the premise of the of the other show, the original show. They were lost in space, so they're in space a lot. They come across crazy space stuff, and so mm-hmm. that's what I was expecting. And you know, so anyway, nope, it's crazy planet stuff. First, you know, halfway in the first episode, I'm like, I don't think this is going to work out for us. It's just, it was just not what I was expecting at all. And I'm like, I don't know any of you people, um, except Parker Posey. She's the only person I recognize. Um, and it's just, it's just flat. And it's like, it's just survivor man on this. That looks like, uh, somewhere in Canada with, with, with mountains that go to the side. <laughs> it's just like, okay, so that's the planet they're on. That's exactly um, what Canada looks exactly. like. Exactly. <laughs> I'm on the edge of a mountaintop broadcasting this. 
It's my stereotypical view. With, like the with crazy lightning area. strikes and storms all around yes. me. Yes. Really? Says a. With, <laughs> with storms that come out of nowhere and rain when it should be snowing. That's right. It's true. Because, oh, it's going to be 60 degrees below zero, yeah. but it rains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I didn't quite understand how that works, but if that's what it's like in Canada, okay. Well, it snowed yesterday rain and rained today, so it's... Uh, and it's not any so it's colder ex- or warmer, so. Okay, well. <laughs> and then it right, instantly freezes Canada. for some reason. That was, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> and then Look, it decides to freeze then. I agree. Um, I agree there are some, like, oh, come on moments, uh, for sure. The, the the instant freezing ice was just so we can get into that drama with um, the older daughter. It was, and, it was all yeah. t- terrible. And that took it forever. Just, and that took forever it to was do. terrible. Right. It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, that could have been a very intense, and it started intense, but then it just drug on, and then stupid stuff started Well, once he said she has six hours of oxygen, and I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, this it's is like, it's oh, not that tense. All Let's the cut urgency's up. gone now. Yeah, we can cut up mom's <laughs> leg. <laughs> yeah, the writing is, is unfortunately to me v- just very poor. Um, the, the Danger Will Robinson, I almost threw my remote at my screen i didn't realize it was going to happen that early it's like well where'd it come from what hot what he knows how to speak english i mean there was nothing there was no it was just here it is guys here's the here's the phrase you've been waiting for there's no reason for it but here it is and it's just like okay i guess that's how it's this is gonna work so i did not have a good time with this um even so, I gave the second episode a chance. It's like, well, maybe it's going to get better. And it's just so much melodrama and just like, okay, I guess this is what this is going to... I thought maybe they'll leave the planet in the second episode and get into space because I want to see space stuff. And no, no, just more planet stuff. So I'm really, really disappointed. I really wanted to like this a lot. I don't know if I if I can go back and watch more. I may try just to hear Christopher Leonard's score in context. So let's move on to that because for me, that's the really, really, really good part of this whole thing um, is Christopher Leonard's score. It is um, really, really good. Yeah. What What are your thoughts, Kristen? <laughs> Aside from really, really good. <laughs> it's fun. It's really fun. Um, th- I was talking about this whole sense of adventure that Bruce mm-hmm. Broughton's score has. This mm-hmm. also has a sense of adventure, but it's also it infused with like sort of a a bit of wonder and discovery as well. Um, mm-hmm. You can sort of hear them being explorers in the music mm-hmm. um, and I like that so much and although I wasn't familiar with the old Lost in Space mm-hmm. I could definitely pick out what the Williams parts were mm-hmm. because I familiarized myself with that and I, I thought it was just a really cool way of using an existing known material Mm-hmm. And bringing it into something new. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well crafted. For sure. For sure. Eric? I think it's fabulous. 
Um, I <laughs> when I first heard that that promo that we got a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, it was like five tracks, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm hearing this. I can't believe I'm hearing like a live London orchestra for a big television series, and it's sounding like this. And I just want to, you know, tip my cap to the producers who yeah. are in love with this type of music. They wanted to hear themes. They wanted mm-hmm. you to, even though you're not coming to the theater, but every time you listen to or watch the show, you were humming themes. And I don't think they could have picked a better composer than Christopher Lennertz, um to, to give them that. Um, I mean, at this point, I mean, who, of, of who's available right now, you pick the right guy that's going to deliver sure. exactly what you want. And I like that it's a mix of old and it's a mix of that, like, I mean, old 60s with the theme, um, mm-hmm. kind of the Broughton sense of adventure. And there's a little bit of modernism in it as well. Mm-hmm. And there's and, a little and, bit of Goldsmith as well. Oh, with Goldsmith and Paula Doris. I mean, I was going to mention the mm-hmm. um, to the chariot track which Mm -hmm. I goosebumps all over my body when that scene happened. And the mix (laughs) was so good on that. It was thunderous, great sound. And the music was front and center. And it was just so good to hear something like that in a show like this, when it could have totally gone droney and new agey and very simple. And, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, again, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it's nice to kind of hear, music for you know people like us who like this sort of stuff and 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 to get that type of score from producers who understand the importance that a full symphonic score can play and that it still works in film and television shows today it still works and (laughs) just briefly um to go back on the usage of john williams's season three theme um it's interesting that they allowed Christopher Lennertz to use it in this show, which is again, a more serious telling of the lost in space story compared to the 1960s version. But when you go back and, and read about Bruce Broughton and what he thought about the theme for his movie, which again, very similar style and tone, he thought the theme was too wacky and too humorous to use. And so it would feel out of place in his score And now that we got a composer that is reworking the theme into his score, a very similar styled score, I mean, I hate to say that Bruce Broughton's wrong, but he is on this because I, I mean, I just adore Bruce Broughton. Adapted for tones, but but uh, yeah, Yeah. and Lennertz took that theme that again, yes, could feel wacky and humorous and and kind of cheeseball if you want to say so, but reorchestrated it for today and for his style. And it just, every time I hear it, it just works so well, whether yeah. it's even in full or just a segment of it, it just mm-hmm. kind of brings it's, it's yeah, it's the glue that holds it all together. So great mm-hmm. to hear great thematic scoring again. And uh, yeah. I feel like Leonard's might be overlooked for a lot of things like this. Oh, totally. Gosh, yes. I mean, totally. When, when, if somebody told me they were making a Netflix lost in space, uh, series, I admit myself that Leonard's wouldn't be the first no, name no, that comes no. to mind. No, and I, I wouldn't think they would I do know, a score like I that. I know, like intellectually, that he does great work, and I love his Gallivant work. And but for some reason, <laughs> it just doesn't. It because, just doesn't. Come because you to wouldn't me that expect. Would, 
right. wouldn't expect them to do this kind of score today. That's why right. you would just like well, you would think it would be one of several people out there who do, do all these kinds of things. Um, but the tone you would expect, oh, it's going to be a modern, mm-hmm. it's going to be electronic, yeah. you know, that's just what it's going to be. So that's why you wouldn't think that his his name wouldn't come to mind. And you know what? I still uh, thought that's the sound that we were going to get when I heard his name attached to it. Because he can do that. He can, yeah, but I thought that. that's what they would make him do. I mean, that's what they do now yeah, is too. like they'll hire, you know, ex symphonic composer and make them do something that totally goes against their style. And yeah. here, no, they hired Christopher Lennertz because they like Christopher Lennertz, not Christopher Lennertz yeah. doing somebody else. And I, I think that's right. just so great. It's so yeah, great. Yeah, they gave him a workout. They did. <laughs> For sure. For sure. For sure. And a full orchestra yeah. in London. I mean, come on. They threw some money yeah. at this. Yeah, they did. And I give producers, directors, everyone involved at Netflix with this particular show double thumbs up you know, kudos for, for choosing. Cause I mean, in this day and age, that's a daring decision. Yeah, it is. That's a bold mm-hmm. decision, a risky decision even, um, to make. And because it's so against the grain, you just don't get those kinds of scores for, for television anymore. And so I, well, my hat's off. Do. I mean, if, if they throw the money at it, sometimes they do. I mean, yes. Like when was the last Murray, time you got a score like Murray this? Murray Gold had a orchestra for Doctor Who, yeah. but I mean that's BBC. It's kind of a different right. atmosphere. Uh, Bear McCreary would get mm-hmm. orchestras for his shows. Well, and he got kicked you know? off a Human feels... Target because of it, and that's oh, crazy. Really? Yeah, well, he was writing for a hundred-piece orchestra for the first season that's of Human Target, score. and he was replaced in the second season because they couldn't afford that anymore. Uh, I see. I see. Yeah, and this is a. Big, big score. This is huge. I mean, now, and I'm not I'm sure. I'm where not saying recorded. there's no symphonic scores for TV, but not anything that sounds this big. Uh, no, yeah, you don't get too much of this stuff. Again, maybe like um, Doctor Who. Yeah, like BBC productions are out in the, like right. you know, but Ben Foster yeah. working on Thunderbirds, and he's out recording with the City of Prague Philharmonic, and a lot of those productions get uh, get some big music budgets. Um, but you're right to hear kind of like this. I mean, I hate to say, it, but it's like a Star Wars esque big symphonic epic score mm-hmm. um, in this style um, is rare. And I mean, look, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that there's not great television music out there. There is a wide there range is. of it, but something like this sure. really, it was a, it was a pleasant surprise when I, I finally mean, even turned for it on. a feature film. You don't get this right. Too often. Right. No, you don't get it oh, too yeah. often. This is, right. a, this is way above a lot of scores that we get. Yes. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's in, it so, was so shocking listening to that promo. And I was like, wait, what am I listening to again? I thought I clicked Lost, <laughs> Lost in Space, you know, and just and just astounding. And so I'll take that and segue into saying sometimes, though, the music was bigger than what was happening on the screen. Um, it, and so I felt a little bit of a clash there. I I didn't think they and I think it might even be the chariot is when she gets in the yeah. thing the and then takes and finally drives it out of yeah. the the thing right yeah. there was moments there I was just like wow the what was happening was supposed to be big but I didn't feel it as being as big as the music was and the music's fantastic but I just didn't feel that moment overall was really that big um, and I think narratively it's supposed to be but I didn't feel it. 
You know what I mean? So it's just I felt some disconnect. And other times I'm like, where's the, the music's there, but it's 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 mixed pretty low. And I'm like, man, why is it so low here? But it was really big at that point for the for that for that moment. It was really really big, and I felt ooh, that's maybe a little too big. It just didn't jibe too well. And maybe because I just wasn't jibing with the with what was going on overall that I felt that there was a disconnect there. But No, that kind of continues. Well, I felt that it wasn't featured as prominently as I would have liked. Um mm. I mean, it does have a couple moments, but mm-hmm. it's as as he said not very even. Uh, mm. at least the way I experienced it. I don't have like a great sound setup or anything. Mm. Um but that continues in the next few episodes where sometimes I just kind of like forget that music is happening, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is unfortunate because it's actually really great music. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a, a weird, uneven musical experience for me in the show on its own. It's fantastic. I mean, I could listen to it on repeat all day long, um, <laughs> but in the show, it's, it's a very, it's a very mixed uh, experience. And, but Hey, I, you know, I'm glad they've taken that risk. Um, I'm it, the only, well, not the only thing, but the major thing tempting me to watch more of it is I just want to hear how they implement the music um, within those episodes. But that's not <laughs> that's not an easy choice uh, for me. Um, but um, yeah, kudos to them for for what they've what they've attempted to do, and if they get to do a second season, I hope. They don't shrink back on their music budget. I uh, hope they keep Christopher Leonard's engaged for it and let him and let him go to town um, on it. You know, one question that did come to my mind is: I wonder why no one wants to try to utilize Williams' first theme for that show because that's the theme that I know the best. Right. When I when I hear the word "lost in space" or those words, I think of that first theme, which is even more quirky than the second. It theme. is. Yes, it is. Uh, and I was just like, why doesn't anyone even try to use that theme? Because yeah. I love that theme. I like that theme better, to be honest. Um, it's It's got more character to it, to me. I mean, it could be a nightmare to to adapt for today. Yeah. But I don't know. Do you guys... Maybe just the third season better. just See, seems more, um, more adventurous, uh, straightforward yeah. adventure than like quirky weird. Like that, that, first, yeah. those, that first season is bonkers. Um, yeah so i love it though. oh, tr- oh yeah for it. sure it's a it's a crazy composition so it is um, it is it very much is so um, we're going to be running an interview uh with christopher and what he says is uh quote when it came to incorporating the williams themes zach and i both the uh, the showrunner, uh, both discussed it and did some random surveys and everyone really seemed to latch on to the season three theme more hmm. than the original first season theme. We made the decision to use that and update it. Hmm. Um, and Interesting. Quote. Latch yeah. on to, huh? Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, it, they made the, made a good choice as it sounds, it sounds great. Um, but I really, maybe they can, maybe they'll work it in as a little, yeah, homage somewhere be nice. down the road yeah yeah um one other I, I don't know if it was an homage or just total coincidence but you remember do you recall the very first scene the very first shot very yeah. first scene of episode one are we talking about the card game yes yeah that felt very uh star trek next generation homage yeah. that's the last shot of 
Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. I was like, yes. yeah, when they oh, to play Pokemon. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, in a round table and the whole thing. But mm-hmm. outside of that, that scene makes no sense. <laughs> I was like, what do you do? What's well, going on I here? mean, that's sort of like a family game night sort of thing, playing Go Fish. But and... when you're escaping from a from a space station that's if, good, that's coming if apart if all you're doing is floating and waiting right. yeah it was it was yeah, a weird no. scene it was yeah it, i yeah the the one one issue that i do have and i'm not sure whether the rest of the episodes go like this and it had a very lostish vibe where all of a sudden we're going to go back and do flashbacks and i honestly yeah. hate that i hate that so much and yeah. what i would have liked was to get to know the family yes. beforehand and then then see that kind of conflict um, happen, and then you know it could have ended. Just tell it with, linearly, right. linearly. Yes, just tell it linearly. I think that would have been fine, do. and then we can get we could get to know the characters. And right now they're 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 they crash landed, and we don't know who's who, and why do we care? And I know they've done a couple of flashbacks, but it's too like one happy moment, and the rest is like everybody hates each other. And yeah. <laughs> right. And it's just like, oh, well, I mean, do I really want to spend time with these people when they're just kind of like just button heads all the time? And and it's, it's so I, I I think that if they structured that a little bit differently, I mean, that was your opening shot, a real dramatic yeah. crash scene. And it just yeah. didn't feel like anything. It was just like, oh, well, there's a blown up spaceship and they run into it and they crash. And it's like, that's it. And yeah. I think a little bit. I think uh, if they had gone back, re-edited it, and get right, tell it linearly, linear, linearly, linearly. Um, I'll get to it one of these days. <laughs> I thought Linear, I had a hard time saying it. <laughs> linear in a linear way. Yeah. Uh, I think I would have been way more engaged with the characters, and like, and I think that's yeah. what you're having an issue with, and I'm sort of having an issue with, and me and my wife are going back and forth and and talking about that as well. Um, cause we're kind of making fun of them. <laughs> um, you know, like, you know, the husband finally saves the day and oh, the relationship's okay. Um, you know, it just seems so very cliche. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would have appreciated, you know, the, like the way the season ended or the first episode ended. Um, I like that, but I just kind of wish I had seen everything that happened beforehand, um, mm-hmm. to get to that point. Um, because yeah, like you said, it was just kind of all over the place. So again, I'm not sure whether that kind of lost style of of uh of storytelling comes back in later episodes i just hope it doesn't it does and that it does i i i don't like that at all (laughs) at all it just it just it disrupts everything you know once you're getting into a scene all of a sudden it's like into like the schism of the marriage Uh, yeah i figured so oh man i get it they're having issues that i was like Oh, okay. So we're going to learn about this over the course of 10 episodes. But we don't need mm-hmm. to, basically. We get yeah. it. I mean, it's just the modern narr- television narrative. Family counseling. Oh, gosh. <sighs> yeah. Not good. I, I don't know if I can if I can do it. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. But I was really getting angry. <laughs> I was really getting angry watching this show. Um, and that's not what I want when I watch TV. <laughs> I'm trying to escape... <laughs> to something better right not you know yeah um all right well let's wrap it up do you guys have any final declarations or anything of that sort regarding the show regarding the score if you do go for it show isn't groundbreaking music is Hmm. not groundbreaking but it's just 
great. <laughs> it, it's it's not it's it's nothing that's new grounds, but it it should be like the way music should be done for television shows of this uh, of this budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Eric. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with it, and uh, hopefully, it uh, picks up. By the time we get to episode ten, um, mm-hmm. man, my kids are having a blast with it. So it's 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 oh, good family great. time uh, television watching, and uh, yeah, have fun with the score, folks. If you don't have it, uh, pick it up. Um, if you want to sample it, you can just do it on my radio show. I play a lot of it on there, um, and <laughs> there is a uh, there's actually a deluxe edition out as well. Um, I don't think the bonus tracks are all that great. Um, I, I haven't I like, listened to those yet. I like, a I like a couple of them, but I thought it was something like a track named Launch. I was like, oh my God. And eh, it really didn't go anywhere. I really like Back it's to the Ship. It's not Apollo 13. It's not Apollo 13 and it's not Bruce Broughton's <laughs> Launch. That's for sure. But no, there, there's a couple of okay tracks, but I'm not sure whether it's worth the money. But anyway, the the kind of best of compilation that's out there right now, uh, it is one heck of a listen. It's my surprise mm-hmm. of the year so far because I did yeah. not expect this at all. It's yeah, rollicking. I, I agree. It is. <laughs> I agree. It's probably my favorite score of the year so far of any TV, film, or video game. Um, we'll see if that lasts, but right now that's that's the case. Um, my final thoughts on the thing as a whole is the this, this episodes are exhausting, but the music is refreshing. So it's kind of a, a, a net wash <laughs> in the end. Um and uh, I hope it gets better. I, I'm going to try my best to to inch my way through. Um, I think I may only do maybe one episode a week or something <laughs> just, to, Good just idea. to be able to process it yeah. and not uh, just stack all of the all of the episodes on top of one another and at the same time stack my frustrations. But definitely yeah. the score is one you must listen to. It is on Spotify. Um, please get the CD when it comes out, uh, support this, support this thing because that's the only thing that will register with them. And so if we want more stuff like this, then we need to support it. And so definitely support Christopher Leonard's and his work there and Lakeshore and their releasing of the digital version and then the CD that's coming later. So that's going to end episode 106 of the Soundcast. Thank you, Eric and Kristen. Kristen, how can people find and follow you? The easiest way to find me is on Twitter at KB for now. That's K-B-F-O-R-N-O-W. Film Score Monthly Online can be found at fsmonlinemag.com. Also on Twitter at fsmonlinemag. And when is the Leonard's interview going to come out? What month? Uh, that is coming out this month. Um, oh. so it should be out <laughs> this week. Very next soon. Week. <laughs> uh, Very soon. soon. Nice. Very, Very soon. soon. And Eric, how can people, people, people find <laughs> and follow pickles found you? Yeah. <laughs> All you pickles out there. All you pickles. Check me out. Get a hold of Eric. Yeah. <laughs> how can they do that? You can uh, check me out on Twitter at Sin Sound Radio on Facebook at Cinematic Sound. And check out the radio show at cinematicsound.net. And you've got Lost in Space yeah. uh, in your most recent episode. Yeah, we right got now, uh, right? Lost in Space, uh, Ready Player One, Max and Me. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, what else is new? Uh, uh, that's a good episode. Finally played Black Panther, uh, Cloverfield, mm-hmm. Paradox, 
man, that's so good. Um, that was a good episode. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, thank you very much. And I actually, yeah, I, I worked hard on this one. <laughs> I did so much writing on this one. Um, nice. So, yeah, I, I hope you uh, all enjoy it. Excellent. And as always, you can uh, follow us uh, at Audio Soundcast uh, on Twitter or at Track Sounds. If you want to follow me, you can do so at C. Coleman. Remember, you can find every single episode of the Soundcast, uh, the Soundcast Stereo episodes, our Soundcast 6 episodes, interviews, reviews, all of that in one feed at thesoundcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and wherever else you may listen to podcasts and let us know that you're listening. Um, Until our next episode, then we want to say, may the notes be with you.